Welcome to Think Orphan, the podcast for orphan excellence. Real talk with real people navigating the global orphan crisis. Welcome back to the Think Orphan podcast. My name is Brandon Stiver, and it's a pleasure to be with you. You guys may be thinking to yourselves, why isn't Phil opening the show? Well, I have something special uh, in order today. We are doing a special episode uh, looking at the country of Lesotho. Now, for those that have been listening to Think Orphan for the last several years or even just the last several weeks, you know that typically what we do on the show is interview experts and practitioners from around the world who are focused on caring for orphans and vulnerable children or kids outside of parental care. Uh, that's our passion. That's what we do. And, and we learn so much in the process. You know, one thing that we want to be careful of is also recognizing that this doesn't happen in, you know, Zoom recording rooms or or on uh, sound recording devices. <laughs> this is this is not orphan care itself. This is where we come in and talk about orphan care and child welfare. But really, this is taking place in real life, uh, in real places, including Lesotho. So uh, at One Million Home, uh, we have uh, our one of our staff here is Samuel Rich. He edits this episode, but. He is a media uh, guru and video producer, and uh, through partnerships, uh, we had him sent out last year, and uh, he gathered a, a tremendous amount of, of media and audio and video uh, showcasing and profiling uh, the organization Trust for Africa in Lesotho, um, and we're going to hear their story today um, through the... Uh, through the voices of people that are on the ground. So this is not, uh, you'll, you'll hear me here in the booth, which is actually just my kid's uh, bedroom, uh, but you'll hear me uh, here in the booth, but uh, a lot more you're going to hear um, from our friends that are on the ground in Lesotho. Um, and what you're going to hear is this is going to be a story of transformation, a transformation of an organization and, and what is shaping up to be the transformation of a country in terms of how we care for orphans and vulnerable children. So uh, we want to hear from you. We want to we want to hear from you and know what you think. Um, is this is this a fun format? Uh, let us know. Uh, hit us up on social media. Hit us up uh, over email. Um, you can reach out to us at hello at onemillionhome.com. Uh, and we would love to hear from you. Um, let us know what you think, like, review. If you have been following along with Think Orphan for a while, please uh, definitely take a moment and write us a review on Apple Podcasts or uh, give, us, uh, give us some stars on whatever your uh, podcast listening platform is. It helps us get out the word to other people that, hey, there's a, there's a podcast out there that is specifically for people that have a heart for orphaned and vulnerable children and uh, kids that are outside of parental care. So uh, give us a like, give us a review, and let us know what you think of this format. Um, we're going to get it uh, going here. So uh, very first off, we're going to be hearing from Naomi Shalm. Uh, Naomi uh, actually spent a lot of her childhood in Lesotho. She is an American, um, and she's going to share a little bit a story of, uh, of how they came to be. So uh, let's get into this content here from Trust for Africa in Lesotho. Trust for Africa is a little unique in the sense that our original mandate was that we would be a temporary home for children. We were never opened with the intent of becoming a long-term home for children. We were only supposed to receive children for no longer than six months. Um, and that was an agreement with the Ministry of Social Development, with the government offices, and with the police. However, with children's cases that were more complicated, and for other reasons, I won't go into all the details, we did end up with a core group of children with us long-term. And by a core group, uh, anywhere between 26 and 30 children who were long-term children with us. So we sort of turned into this long-term home as well at the same time still receiving children on short-term basis. But seeing how the children that were in our care longer term, seeing the challenges that came with long-term care for children in a large group home setting, we knew this was not the best for these kids. We could see the, the orphan mentality, the, the, the group dynamic, um, sort of that gang gang 
mentality uh, of children, even within our care, even though we had a high ratio of staff to children, we had a four to one ratio of staff to children, which is very high compared to many other care facilities. So even with a high ratio of adults to children, they still were not getting the sense of belonging, the sense of attachment, the sense of um, identity that they would get if they were in their communities or in their um, extended families or families of origin. Uh, we could see the challenges in their behavior. The, the There were just so many things that we could just see this is not the best for them. And that's when we started making a concerted effort to really do the family tracing. Often when a child is placed in our care, it's not necessarily the original reason as to why they were separated from their families. Because we've had kids in our care who were moved around several times before they ended up in our care. And so to find out what the original per reason why they were separated from their homes takes a lot of family tracing, takes a lot of going to the communities, going to the relatives, finding out what is the actual story here. So we started doing that. And it took a lot of time and it took a lot of resources, but it was really critical and really necessary for us to be able to find out what were the drivers of why these children ended up leaving their homes and what is within our capability to help them go back to a family that would be the best situation for them. Not necessarily the original family or, or the family of origin. Um, a lot of these kids are orphans. Um, but some of them aren't. In fact, a lot of them aren't. So we had to do the hard work of the individualized care plan for each child to find out what's their real story, um, what's the best situation for them, and including the child in the process, giving them their own voice and being able to express who they felt close to, who they felt safe with. And it's not easy. It's not easy, and it's not clear-cut, and it's not. there's no clear formula um, just takes a lot of individualized care and planning to to find the best possible home for for a child and we haven't always been successful like we've had some cases where uh, children ended up back in our care uh, not too often but I can think of two situations uh, and then other situations where a child was placed with a family, but then it, it still took a year or two of us following up with them, helping them solve conflicts, helping us um, sometimes actually uh, relocating them. Maybe the family they were with uh, wasn't a great fit, but there was somebody else who was willing to take them. And so we've actually seen that happen where the original placement didn't actually turn out to be the best, but there was another one that was. So, But that's the importance of follow-up. Um, and making sure that the child continues to do well um, and the family as well, because it's a big adjustment. It's a very big adjustment. With the best understanding that you have, having, for us, we do a lot of counseling with the family and the child even before placing them. But only when the child is placed with the family do you see what the real dynamic will be and how that dynamic will play out. So, you may think that you've got this excellent placement and then after you've placed the child, you don't know what that chemistry is going to be. You don't know what that attachment's going to be. You don't know how things are going to play out unless you follow up. So follow-up is incredibly important and, and, and that's, that's really where the rubber meets the road of how is this child adjusting? How are the family, how is the family adjusting? How are, uh, how do you help apply the things that you've talked about um, in parenting or in conflict resolution? Like how, how is this actually playing out? We've had situations as well where we've placed a child, everything seemed to be going well, and then the family member you place them with leaves and goes to another place to find work somewhere else and place the child with a different family member. Family member that we didn't vet, a family member that we didn't meet with or didn't approve, and so now, only through follow-up did we realize what happened. And in fact, that situation was not good for the child. 
And we've had to intervene and have a family meeting and call the relative back and try and find another solution that's better for the child. So another another piece of this challenging puzzle is that when a child has been placed in our care, depending on where they were previously or how many other places they were previously, it takes a long time for them to even trust us, to be even able to share with us. So there was one boy that was placed into our care because he was in a previous orphanage and the other orphanage was shut down by the government. So we got a group of children from that orphanage and he was one of them. He was already about 12 years old and it took three years of him being in our care before he trusted us enough to tell us his story. Because when he came from that previous orphanage, there was no paperwork. There were no files. We knew nothing about him. We literally only knew his name and what he could tell us, like his age. And he wouldn't tell us where he was from or any of his previous background. So it took three years. And finally, he opened up and shared his story with us and told us where he was from. And he wanted to go back and he wanted to see his family. We got in the car. We planned a trip. We communicated with the Ministry of Social Development. So one of the child welfare officers from their office joined us and our social worker and the boy. We drove about four hours to where he was from and he had to come with us because the village was such that he had to direct the way to get to the village. We parked the car, we got out of the car and we started to walk toward his village. And as we were walking, a lady was walking toward us, recognized him and started crying and like wailing because this was her nephew. And she said, we've been looking for you. We didn't know where you were. Your mother passed away and we were trying to find you so that you could come to the burial, which culturally is so important for them to be present at the burial. And they didn't know where he, where he went. They knew previously that he was at this other orphanage, but then when that orphanage shut down, they didn't know where he went from there. And the government didn't have any record of where he was placed either. So they didn't know where he was. And long story short, this woman wholeheartedly said, no, I'm going to take care of him. I'm going to take him. And so she actually took him into his home and, and ended up caring for him. So this is one story of why family reunification is so important. Another story, another child that came from that orphanage that was shut down and placed in our care. We, we knew where she was from, but it took a while before we were able to find a family member. We drove eight hours up into the mountains to one of the more remote areas. We met with her uncle and it was the same story of, he used to visit her when she was in the previous orphanage. And he didn't know that the orphanage was going to be shut down. So it was shut down overnight. Children were just transferred to other orphanages and he didn't know where she was. It had been a couple of years now of him not knowing where his niece was. So again, when he found out and when we came to him and shared that your child is in our care, he was overwhelmed and said, no, I'm going to take her. I'll take care of her. But that's another example of somebody who thought that the orphanage was a better place for the child to be raised. So she was being raised in the orphanage and he would come and visit her <laughs> rather than actually take her into his care. And he was somebody with a professional job, a really nice house, um, the full capability of being able to take care of a, another child. Yet, um, because the orphanage was more convenient. There were also some dynamics with her mother. So there was some family conflict there. So he felt like by taking the child into his care, he was going to create more conflict with the sister, with her mother. But only because the orphanage was an option, that was the easy way out for them. But knowing that now an orphanage was not the best care or best option for her, he willingly took her into his home uh, and, and absorbed her into their family. So that was Naomi Shalm. She is the executive director at Trust for Africa in Lesotho. And I just so appreciate Naomi and her views. It's been an honor to, to walk alongside this organization for the last couple of years. You know, and you really kind of see her wrestling, you know, through, uh, through how can they best serve orphans of vulnerable children and, and even recognizing, you know, some of the long-term stuff that, that they just kind of haphazardly, you know, uh, ended up doing 
that it wasn't the best for them. And and they really kind of started to go back to those root causes. You know, she mentioned in there, what are the drivers that were leading these kids to leave their homes? And I think that that's really a challenge for all of us uh, that are working in, in orphan care, working in family care, is going to the root cause. What is it that is leading these kids to leave their homes? And and are these things solvable? Are these things preventable? And, and you know, even going off of what she said, are we including children in the process of their own restoration. You've heard us talk about child participation, child and youth participation here on the podcast before. It is absolutely central. And that's why it's, you know, included in things like the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child. The kids should be participating and and actually any support that we're able to provide is going to work better when they are participating. So we need to be listening to kids. They need to be involved in the process because it isn't easy and and there isn't any direct formula. That's the thing with social services. It's a very kind of case-by-case basis in a lot of ways, and we want to make sure that there are adequate services provided. Um, but you really see them uh, wrestling through that. And I just love those those two stories that she shared there at the end. You know, when we talk about transforming care, when we talk about helping kids get into family, um, we have to consider the other side of these conversations. Some of you may be listening and um, maybe somebody shared this with you and, and you are running a children's home and you're doing your best and you love those kids. And we just, we just so appreciate and honor, you know, that service. And maybe you're wondering, look, these kids don't, they don't have a viable opportunity to get back to family, but I just, that's why I love those stories of what Naomi shared there. You know, the, the auntie that says, we've been looking for you, right. Or the uncle that says she can stay with us, Right. That is that's that, that's what it's all about, and there are families on the other side, and there are people that are open and willing. So I just love that. Um, appreciate Naomi and her leadership, not only over Trust for Africa, but really supporting care reform across the country of Lesotho. Uh, speaking of which, we're going to hear now from uh, one of the staff that are there at Trust for Africa. So this is Mafusi Samiti. She is a senior social worker and the director of Emergency Shelter. Um, Mafusi is, is a great leader. She's a skilled uh, clinical social worker. And uh, I'm just so excited for you guys to hear uh, directly from her as she has interacted with so many kids in Lesotho and uh, is also driving change. The past two years, we have been working towards transitioning. Before, we only had the emergency shelter whereby we were receiving children and then they were here to receive counseling and the physical needs and educational needs were being catered for. But we learned in the past two years that, um, we learned years ago that this was not working very well, especially emotionally. We were wondering what can we do differently? And then TFA through um, our manager found the training program about trauma. We call it trauma-informed care program. And then we learned a lot from that, um, from that program. And then we realized, actually, children don't belong in orphanages. Children belong in families. Children need their families to grow and thrive well. So after learning that, we have been, um, we have been on our feet trying to find anything that could help us actually do do the work and reunify the children back to their families. And then even those who don't have families, try to find people who can volunteer to look after them so that they can thrive well. So we then had two programs. It was the emergency shelter and then the training. We started training other orphanages to see that it is, the orphanage is not the best setting for children to grow in because there are a lot of challenges in, in orphanages. So we started training other orphanages. We started training the government people, everybody who works with children to see that, uh, to know children who have gone through trauma and also to know that children can grow well in families because that's where the aspect of um, attachment can be done in a, in a good way. So I think in the last two years, we also learned about a program where we were being taught about um, um, how can we transition, move away from the orphanage and then actually do the, uh, strengthen their families. How can we do gatekeeping? So 
we were very interested. We learned about this and we thought we are not going to waste any time. We should start doing what we need to do with what resources we have. Then we started making a plan of how are we going to reunite back the children that we have. And after reuniting them back, what programs then can come in? Because we still want to, we are a, child, we are a child-centered organization. We still want to work with a child, but not in isolation with their family. So we started making a plan to reunify other kids that we had here. I think in total by that year, we had 26 children. We started making a plan to how can we reunify these children back to their families. And then it was successful. We started uh, meeting with the families. So my role by that time was to, and a social worker was to meet with the children, to meet with the families, do lots of counseling until now we are satisfied that the child is ready to to go back to, to their family. So we reunited, I think, about 10 that year, and then we continued with the plan. But now we were thinking, what, how else can we, what else can we do? Because now the number of children who were staying here in the orphanage was reducing, but we still wanted to continue with the work. And then we kept learning more and more and more. Then the education center program was introduced. And then now we had uh, three programs. It was um, the emergency shelter and then the training. And then now we had education program. This is where we were taking kids from the, even from the village, the nearby villages. We were working close by with the Ministry of Education and the schools, the local schools to enroll kids in our program. It's, it was, um, it's where they come after school, it's an after school program. And then they get, we have tutors here. They get tutoring and then after that, they also have one meal before they can go home. Because one of the challenges in Lesotho is that some of the kids only get a meal from the school. So we thought one meal a day, it's not enough. What, could, what can we do? Then we thought these children can come and then after receiving the tutoring, they can have one meal and go home at least in a day they will have had two meals in a day because we, we are still working. Our target group is still the, uh, the children from vulnerable families, the children from uh, families which are at risk of separation. We want to strengthen them so that they cannot end up being separated. But we don't work with children in isolation of their parents. We also had the family strengthening program so this is whereby we work with the families. After enrolling children in the tutoring center, we enroll their parents in our family strengthening program because we want to equip the parents on how best can they take care of their children. We do the parenting skills. We also teach them that because you are from the vulnerable group, these children, even themselves, they might have gone through trauma and then we teach them on how trauma impact the brain and what, uh, what are those, uh, the other behaviors that um, they might see in their children or even in themselves due to trauma. So that I think we believe that if they understand themselves better, then they can do well even to their children. So uh, they, we train them on trauma, on parenting skills, and then we don't only do that because the other problem is that poverty, it's still the, it's still the main cause of um, neglection and other things because it's broad. So we also teach them, we, we have partnered with other organizations like World Vision. We teach them about farming, how can they use what they have because a lot of people in the Soto do have land. What they can do about their land to make a living. So there's a program where they're, be, they're being taught about agricultural things and how to make a living. And we also invite other people. We have recently invited a trainer who has trained them about business. How can they make business out of what they do have and how can they make their businesses to stay longer and even be profitable so that they can make um, a living for their, for their children. So. We have our social workers and our counselors 
who also work with the families and the children. They come here for tutoring, they come here for family strengthening program, and they also receive counseling, counseling services. So basically that's what TFA is doing, but we are also going to teach other orphanages how can they transition. As we are in this process of transitioning, our other role is to teach other orphanages how can they transition and to move towards the family strengthening rather than the orphanage. We have to find families for the children. We also, after finding the families, we have to make the follow-ups, see how they're doing. Or sometimes we even just go there to do like uh, the conference. We do the different conference. Uh, sometimes we do the one that involves only family members, but sometimes we involve other people like the chief, the priest, the neighbor, anybody who is important in a, in a, in a child's life. So sometimes Lesotho is a mountainous uh, country. We have to travel to far places. And then when we get there, there are no roads to get to the family. We have to walk long distances for few hours for many hours sometimes to get to the village. And even sometimes it is not even easy to go to the village and come back. We have to go there and sleep there and then the next day do the work and then come back because of uh, it's far and we have to walk for many hours before we get to, to the village. So we do this very often because we have to find the family. We have to go there back and forth doing the counseling sessions and then also the child needs to visit the family. We have to go and see how was the visit doing those monitoring until at the end of the day, we think now this family is ready and even the child is ready to go back. But even after that, we still go because we still want to make sure that the child is safe and everything else that was said in a, when we, during the preparations, it's happening as, as a great. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Journey Home Community Learning Platform. Journey Home offers multiple online courses from global child welfare professionals that you've heard here on Think Orphan. You can learn safeguarding from SFAC, family reunification from Agape Children's Ministry, trauma-informed care from Deborah Gray, and even follow along with Francis Chan as he engages orphan care practitioners and care leavers in Kenya. I'm especially excited to tell you about the newly released course, Reintegrating Children with Disabilities with Akisa Ministries. Did you know that children with disabilities are 17 times more likely to end up living in an institution? The reality is that working with orphans and vulnerable children will essentially guarantee that you'll interact with children that have disabilities. This course will equip you and your team to serve those precious kids well and help them return to family. Like all courses on Journey Home, enrollment is completely free. This is just one of the ways that we support organizations to better care for children and families. To access the Akisa course or any other Journey Home training, visit 1millionhome.com front slash journey home. That's one, like the numeral, one, 1millionhome.com front slash journey home. Join individuals and teams from over 80 countries worldwide that are on the platform as you continue to strive to love and serve children and families with excellence. You will find that they, it's not like I mentioned, it's not easy to build attachment. Every child needs attachment. Attachment is going to help them to become resilient in the future. They will become people who can make best decisions from, for, for themselves. They will become confident people. They will become people who can think out of the box and they will become respective people. They will respect others and they will respect themselves because they know that uh, they have received a strong attachment. It's the basis, it's, it's, it's the foundation. We are building this child. So in an orphanage, it's not easy to build that attachment. It's not easy to build this child the way we want him to come out to be in the future. We still try, we still do things, but there are a lot of challenges. We can talk from behavior. We can talk about behaviors. They, they grow up. We will think when they're still little that this child is well, this child is coping well in this setting. Wait until they're a teenage stage. That's when you will see that this child was not coping. 
So the longer they stay, the more damage happens because you will find that behaviors now they're looking for their, for their identity when they get to the teenage stage. So they start showing the behaviors because children ex uh, don't know how to uh, say their feelings well, but you will see their reaction. They react and you will see the reaction through the behavior. And um, often we don't know what's happening under that behavior, what's pushing that behavior. And it, it can only be known through the strong attachment, which can be built in a family than in an, in an orphanage. Uh, a lot of children who have gone through trauma, they often um, don't know how to face challenges or conflict. Once there's a conflict, they want to pull out. Once there's a challenge, they want to pull out. If it, they're staying in a family, if there can be a challenge, then they will just want to go to another family. And then if the challenge can might come up to that family, they will just want to go to another family. That's what trauma does. So we want to build our children or we want to help our children to know that you, they, they, there's always going to be a conflict or a challenge where people are staying together. So we don't want, we want, we want to encourage our children and motivate them. How best can they handle the challenge or how best can they handle the conflict? Uh, we teach our children to forgive, but it doesn't mean we don't teach them that to forgive someone, you have to go back to them. They can still forgive them and not go back to, to that person. But um, we have social workers here who evaluate the situation. Sometimes you will find we have had few cases where there was um, a small, a big issue happened in the family, but it was not big enough to actually um, take the child to the orphanage. It just needed an intervention, somebody who can come between, and then those people can talk out their issues and then forgive each other and move on with, with their lives. But in many times you will find there's a problem in a family, then the child is being removed and is being placed to, to the orphanage. And then when we go back, you'll find it was just a misunderstanding or the, the, the child and the parents were going through stress or they had that trauma. They don't understand each other. They don't understand what's happening. So we come in and then we help them to understand so that um, they can go back to the family. So um, to somebody who thinks now this child was taken to the orphanage and then you cannot bring them back to this family, it happens. And uh, in Trust for, at Trust for Africa, the cases that we have taken children back to where the problem happened um, mostly succeeded because most of the time it was um, misunderstanding or just an issue that needed to be solved without the child having to come to trust for Africa. So we, we encourage that children still needs to go back to their families. But where there's a bigger issue, or now this thing is going to bring the problems to a child, or sometimes you will find even the community now judges the child. So it's, we don't take back that child to, to the family. They can forgive, we teach them how to forgive, but they, it's not, it doesn't necessarily mean they still need to go back to the same person who has had them before. But the reality is that in a family setting, we always had each other. We always have challenges. So it's still the same for our kids here. They had challenges, but they still need to go through the challenges just like any other family. So that was Mafusi Samiti. She is the senior social worker at Trust for Africa in Lesotho. And man, there's just so much good stuff that she shared in there. You know, one of the things that I really appreciate is uh, how they really kind of thought through their programs. You know, when we talk about, you know, transition to family care or what have you, we have manuals and there's stuff from Better Care Network and Faith to Action and, you know, all of these. And, and those resources are great. But the, again, it doesn't happen on paper. But one of the things that we, you know, especially us as a care reform organization um, here at One Million Home, we always love to say, man, what could you become, you know, by by switching up the types of services and getting kids out of long-term residential care? And, uh, 
you know, they continue to provide that emergency shelter because kids in Lesotho sometimes need that protective care and uh, they keep it on a short-term basis. So they, so they maintain that, that component, but man, they were able to diversify and jump into all sorts of other things. You heard her talk about it, the training, the education services. These are things that they are now able to do as their capacity increases. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. I mean, just that, that, that program diversification, you know, and, and even as the kids are reintegrated, you know, adding those follow-up social work uh, services and, and making sure that those are really robust. I just really appreciate her explaining, you know, a little bit of what that looks like for them and, and even that commitment to providing that follow-up because we can't just send the kids home and then assume that they're going to be all right. And, we, and we've heard that already in this episode. You do have to do the follow-up. You do have to uh, make sure that the kids are doing well. And uh, that's a whole other, you know, almost programmatic thing as we dive into that area of social work. You know, I actually wanted to underscore a little bit, you know, Mafusi mentioned the training. And that was initially, you know, a lot around trauma-informed care, as she had mentioned. Um, but that has expanded. Um, one of the things that we really do at One Million Home is focusing on helping kids get into family by transitioning children's homes into other types of services. And one of the ways that we do that is actually through partnership. So Trust for Africa is in a program that we call the National Accelerator Program, where we partner with teams that are already on the ground and have shown that they know how to safely reintegrate kids within their community and are actually in a spot where they can show others how to do the same trainings, consultations, that kind of stuff. So um, I just kind of wanted to throw that out there. If you're listening to this and you're compelled and you just heard Naomi and you heard Mafusi and you're going to hear from others um, and you want to say, hey, how do I actually do this? Reach out to us. Um, there's ways that you can get direct consultation and support. We are doing national accelerators. Um, our biggest team is there in Kenya, which is uh, at Ways of Care Solutions. But then we also do it through partnerships and partnerships like Trust for Africa and Lesotho. We also have teams that are in Haiti, Uganda, and Sierra Leone. So if you're in one of those places and you're looking for some support, please definitely reach out to us. Or even if you're not in one of those areas, we would love to talk with you how you can also even just start doing some family reunification. Maybe you're not looking to fully transform yet, but you want to you want to start to build those muscles. Definitely reach out to us. Uh, there's people like Mafusi that have a, a great, uh, you know, long experience in reintegrating kids, doing assessments, um, and uh, doing the case management and the follow-up. And we would love to connect you with people like her that can help you as you also untangle that. So we're going to continue now uh, and listen to the chief operating officer at Trust for Africa, and he's going to build on some of the same themes. So this is Mbele Horoto, uh, who is based there in uh, Lesotho, and he's going to jump into some 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 more of the same themes, uh, but just kind of building that out more. So let's hear from Mbele now. I understand there are people who think uh, children are better off in the orphanage because they are thinking in terms of what they need physically, and they raise points like uh, at home, they may not have food to eat, they may go to bed uh, hungry, they may not have clothes, but uh, in the orphanage they have all those things, they, they have uh, even education, and they, this puts them in a better po position to succeed in life. But uh, the problem is what the children need to really do well in life is not just uh, the physical needs but also the hearts needs need to be met they need to have a loving parent a loving family around them that can help them to 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 grow well and also uh, in the orphanage the children grow and age out of the orphanage and when they age out they they don't have anywhere to go they don't have a family uh, but whereas when they are leaving the family, they never graduate from the family. You, you are part of the family until you die. But in the orphanage, you have to, to graduate. So this frustrates children when they come out. They, they don't know what to do. And they end up um, with broken lives just because 
they, they didn't have um, a loving family around them. The reason we have orphanages because people want to help children. But the way they, they are helping, though it's, it's not out of a bad heart, it's out of a good heart, it has those shortcomings that we say, let us uh, uh, look into how we can better help these children. Because in the orphanage, it's like we are, we are, we are focusing on the, the temporary situation of the children. We are, we are not focusing on the long term. What happens to these children as they grow up? What happens to their future? So looking into the future is important because it helps us to not just say we are now helping children, but it says we want to help these children to actually do well in life, to have a future. So then family-based care is, is the answer to that. And it actually improves to what the orphanages are already doing. It's just changing the way we do things in order to real, bring the real answer, a permanent or a long-term solution to the, to the problems of children. Trust for Africa uh, is in a better position to not just help the kids that we are caring for, but also to bring influence even into the country uh, through uh, uh, the training that we do and through our, our desire as Trust for Africa to be able to influence and educate others to, to, to see the, the, the importance and the benefit of the family, then we, we have a chance of impacting uh, more than half of the population of Lesotho because the population of Lesotho is comprised of, uh, the half the population of Lesotho is comprised of children. So if the message can get through to the whole nation, then we are able, we, we, we will be able to bring change into Lesotho. We have relationships with these care facilities through our, our trainings. Uh, so we want to, to show them uh, the importance of the family-based care. So we want to come alongside them to provide um, support in terms of our experience, uh, the, the, the causes that can help them and even the steps that needs to be taken in order to, to transition from uh, the traditional way of caring for children to a family model. So yeah, I think uh, we can be very helpful in just providing the resource, even the encouragement, because some may be um, skeptical or even afraid to transition because now uh, they may be worried about losing their donations, their jobs, and even change itself it can be scary at times. So Strasbourg Africa having uh, started and having some experience can be a huge encouragement and inspiration to other care facilities. So that was Mbele Hiroto, who is the Chief Operating Officer at Trust for Africa in Lesotho. Again, just so much good stuff in there. Um, I, I appreciated how he was talking about the misperceptions that people have of orphanages, but also that the one of the reasons we have orphanages is because there's good people that want to help. And I've found that time and time again to absolutely be the case. And uh, it, it's just great to kind of hear, you know, on the ground, you know, from national staff, their own thoughts, their own reflections. You know, too often here on Think Orphan, we are talking with um, the people that are outside the country and maybe they're working in a given country. But I mean, you, you can't sum it up better than what we just heard from Mbele and Mafusi. So just want to, so, so grateful for them, their voice and their leadership in this space. And, you know, going off of what Mbele said there, as far as having orphanages because people want to help, um, we're going to get into another conversation here with uh, Bokeng Lapolo, who is the director of an orphanage called Mansasi. I had mentioned a moment ago that, you know, it's amazing what Trust for Africa has done and how they have reintegrated kids that had been in long-term care, um, that there was a place for those kids to go back and some of those stories that were shared. And that's amazing. And that's, but that's just one organization. There are hundreds of kids in Lesotho. There are thousands and millions of kids worldwide 
that are waiting on those same types of stories. And it takes um, honest and transparent and vulnerable conversations to get there. And as uh, the team at Trust for Africa has been engaging within Lesotho, they're able to talk with other leaders of other organizations. And Bokeng is one of those uh, people. And as he's been running uh, their orphanage there, he's been thinking through, well, what does this look like for us? Um, what does it look like for us to move forward? Um, you know, he, he's going to talk about how the kids are, you know, they're getting older and they should know where they're from. You know, those types of things. So, so as he's wrestling with that, it's amazing that he's able to strike up this partnership with Trust for Africa where they can help him unpick that and help them return kids back to family. So uh, again, we're going to be hearing from Bokeng Lapolo, who is the director of Mansasi Orphanage in Lesotho. You know, when I first started coming here, I thought it was a really good idea having the problem solved of children facing difficulties. Uh, they're having an opportunity to go to school, having an opportunity to eat and dress. Then there was this point whereby the children kept getting older. They kept getting older. That's when I realized that, you know, these children need to know where they come from, need to be in their homes, uh, be with their relatives, uh, guardians. What's the next step besides Mansasi? What's the next step after turning 18? The, we only solve the problem, which is temporary, feeding, growing, and uh, clothing the children and schooling the children. But at the end of the day, they need to get back to their homes. We have uh, a serious issue of more children being put into care facilities while they still have families in the villages. Having more uh, care facilities would mean having more children into care facilities and we wouldn't be solving the issue of having children being taken care of in their families, uh, getting the love, the attention, the equal care that is not given in care facilities. Uh, in an orphanage, we treat them as though they have uh, similar problems. If, you don't, if it's not the issue of food, it's clothing, it's getting them to school, addressing all the material uh, needs that the children need and all the basic uh, human rights. But having uh, a child growing into a proper family, a child can have his or her own dreams reached. The parents listen to the child or the guardians listen to the child and they get to explore the, the world in a different way it is as compared to a child who's in a care facility. Quite difficult to provide for 60 children. The finances it takes, it's quite a lot. It's important for children to grow in families where they are able to explore, where they are able to be who they are. You know, we, we have clans, traditional values in the care facility or in Mansasi. A child is not uh, able to explore that part of their culture. And when we shift towards uh, reunification, it is also going to help our families to be able to have that opportunity or to share that journey with the child. Sometimes you find the situation is not as the same as before. For instance, the situation that brought the child to the orphanage changes and the child still stays at the home. Or, and he's supposed to go back. Most of the time, uh, the families also need uh, counseling or therapy to work on, this, on that situation. And if we change that uh, mindset, we can fix the problem that we have as a, as a country. So we have that problem whereby a lot of children in care facilities have families. Which is why you find during the Christmas holidays, uh, we have many children visiting their families, many, many children. You find uh, we have quite a few left here because uh, some of the families don't know that where they are located or where they have been placed, or some of them have no one uh, to take care of them or have really no one, or some of them, the guardian doesn't have resources to get to Manthas and to have the children over for the Christmas holidays. But majority of the children here have families. We are not just getting uh, your funding, then uh, using it, then asking for more, getting it, using it, and just 
doing that. But uh, we also have a vision. We also have um, a vision that someday we'd like to help more and more children, but not in this kind of model. And it's going to be beneficial for them that uh, they're not going to put in more money, but they're going to put in less money. I think the positive uh, impact to the donors, they're going to see that it's important for children going back to their families. Well, that was a, a good way to uh, wrap up this conversation and this discovery that we've been able to take together as we dive into the care systems in Lesotho and learn about the work of not only Trust for Africa, but what does it mean to really kind of reform care systems? What does it mean to move forward? Uh, so thank you to Bokeng, Mbele, Mafusi, and Naomi for lending their voice uh, to the Think Orphan podcast today. Um, I would just encourage you, if this is a struck a chord with you, if you yourself are a family-focused organization and wanting to uh, learn more, reach out. If you are providing primarily residential services and a children's home uh, and you want to learn more what it looks like to be uh, in family, please reach out. Also, definitely share this. Um, we don't have a lot of these long-form uh examples of what it looks like to transition to family care or what it looks like to start a movement within a country. So please definitely share this with other people. And as I had mentioned at the top of the show, likes, reviews, and so forth also help us get this out broader to other people. So again, thank you to our friends and partners at Trust for Africa. Um, and I just want to reiterate and close with this. We always have our, our clothes uh, that Phil does uh, so eloquently. Um, I really appreciate what Bo Kang said there at the end. We want to give these kids an opportunity to be who they are, to know where they're from, and also that they would know that, that God loves them, to know the love of a family and a community. And uh, we want to see that. We want to see that in places like Lesotho, and we want to see that throughout the world. So we do hope and pray that you take all of this and use it uh, so that you can better love and serve orphan and vulnerable children better and better each and every day. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you again in a couple weeks. We hope you've enjoyed today's Think Orphan podcast. For all the information in this week's podcast, please visit us at thinkorphan.com. You too can be part of the conversation. Send your questions to info at thinkorphan.com or join us on the Think Orphan Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again on the next edition of Think Orphan.